as we jump in today, uh, we just finished our Next Gen series. Wasn't that awesome? Didn't that, wasn't that just phenomenal? I mean, and, and I've been so proud of you because I've, you know, I've got a couple teenagers and stuff, and they're like, Dad, everybody's asked me how I'm doing now. I'm like, good, you need that, you little sucker. That's, not being, that's what we're trying to teach you, to help us uh, love you and let us and stop being weird. So anyway, we've had, just thank you for that. Thanks for loving the younger generation. And, you know, years ago, a uh, hundred years ago or so, Jamie and I were youth ministers. I, I don't know if you could tell that. Um, I'll never forget, we had this one particular young man. We had a really large youth ministry and uh, hundreds and hundreds of young people. And it was a multiracial youth ministry. And if you remember the 80s, we really did subdivide ourselves. Anybody remember the 80s? So, you know, there was, uh, there was the jocks and then there were the nerds and, the, you know, all the, come on, breakfast club. You know, come on, remember, yeah. And so I'll never forget, we had this one young man in our youth ministry. And uh, he had started, uh, all his days, he had always been a little prep. A little prep kid. And one day, I'll never forget, he showed up at youth service and he had now decided that he was a cowboy. It was the strangest transition I'd ever seen. I mean, this kid went from all the preppy clothes, you know, with the little, you know, tight rolled and the little, uh, you know, boat shoes and those socks. And next week, he just showed up one Sunday. I mean, one Wednesday night at our youth service. I mean, he had the full cowboy hat. I mean, bolo, is that what you call the? I mean, he went with the boots and the, and the Levi's with the skulls, you know, mark on the back, you know, on, on the butt cheek. I mean, just crazy. And he did that for about five, six, eight weeks. And so next thing you know, he's hanging out with all the cowboy kids, right? And he left, I guess he kind of left all his prep friends alone. Now he's in with the little cowboy group. It wasn't a month or two into that, and he made another transition. And then he went from cowboy to skater kid, which was hilarious, right? Because you got to remember, late 80s, early 90s, uh, the, the skater kids all wore these huge pants. I mean, they were just huge, and you couldn't re really see their shoes, and they, and, you know, and they carried their boards everywhere. And so he went from cowboy prep cowboy than the skater and so now he's got he's got all the gear and he's got the all he's got his hair all combed over you know sitting there looking at us like that and then and then he did that for about two months and then did another radical change and he went from that to thug life it was the funniest thing this kid went, then he went thug life, you know, and in those days, you know, he had the gold chain, and, he, and, he, and I think he stole a Mercedes emblem off somebody's car or something, and he just wanted to be a thug, and this little kid, he went back and forth, and, and, and I finally, I'll never forget looking at Jamie, I said, I think he's got an identity issue, I think that's what he's dealing with, and uh, because he just, because at the end of the day, we present ourselves as how we want to be viewed, are you tracking with me, say yes, so I've titled this today, The Wardrobe, turn to the person next to you and say The Wardrobe. So our key verse is found in Colossians chapter 3. If you'll turn there with me in your Bibles, Colossians chapter 3. And if I could just be brutally honest, I'm really, today's going to be almost a study of the book of Colossians and basically the, the chapter 3. Is that okay? Can we study the word a little bit? I know on Sundays, you know, that may be a little different for some of you, but, uh, but we really are believers who are after the word of God. And if you're struggling in your faith, I want to take you to this book simply because it's one of the most amazing books of the Bible. And in Colossians chapter 3, this is our key verse, and then I'll break some, some of it down for you. Verse 9, since you have taken off your old self, everybody say old self. Since you've taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self. Everybody say, put on the new self. 
which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Now, I was going to illustrate this message by taking clothes on and off, but then I didn't want you all to think your pastor was a stripper. So, so we're just going to leave that alone. But in your mind, I want you to understand the Apostle Paul is trying to present to us about an old self being taken off and a new self being put on. And he's taking it from the premise that we are in love with Jesus and that we are followers of Christ, but that we have an active duty to take off the old self and put on the new self. In fact, the book of Colossians is a really cool book. The Apostle Paul writes this as a letter to the people of Colossae. And uh, to the church in Colossae. And what had happened, if you, what had happened was, if you read the first couple of chapters, what you'll realize is that there was a man named Epaphras. And Epaphras had gotten saved or transformed while uh, Paul was ministering in Ephesus. And obviously he had this radical experience with the Lord. And he goes back to his city. And more than likely he started a small group in his living room just hanging out with friends and cousins. And like, you need to know this Jesus. He's transformed my life. You've got to come hear about this. They probably started eating lunch together or dinner together, his friends and his neighbors, co-workers. And before you know it, this thing has grown into a huge church. Now Epaphras probably had no intention, come on small group leader, no intentions of having all these people in his life, but now he's got a church in his house that's probably now extended to where else are we going to meet, because now he's probably got hundreds of people coming, and he, he ends up in some major conflict, because this is a multiracial church. It's also a multi, if you will, philosophical church. People from different backgrounds bringing all their philosophies into this Christianity and literally causing confusion, and there is heresies happening, misappropriations, there's a group of them that are from their, their Gentile Greek background. And they're now starting to say, well, listen, Jesus wasn't really God then. He was just a man. How could he be God-man if we're saying that we don't believe any longer in, 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 in you know, the Greek gods that we all serve, you know, uh, that we don't believe in those men, God, animal form mix that Greek mythology taught us. If we don't believe in that anymore, then how could Jesus? And so they're back and forth saying that he's not that. Then you've got all these Jewish people who have become believers in the Messiah or Messianic Jews, followers of Christ. And and there's like, like, listen, you need to have a major transformation. You've got to get circumcised if you're really going to go all in for God. You're going to have to obey the law and all the teachings of all this. And this, and this thing is stirring, and you've got all these heresies back and forth. So what Epaphras does is he goes and finds the apostle Paul who's in prison. And he says, listen, you've got to help me. You've got to, you got to, you got to put some of this straight for us because I don't really, you know, I, I didn't mean for this thing to maybe blow up this way. And so the apostle Paul begins to go through really strategically. It's a great book to go back and, and read this week, the book of Colossians. And he goes through and he starts teaching us things from the very beginning. He solidifies that Jesus is God. He was God. He was God in the flesh. There's no Android. This is Christianity. He begins to teach literally that every one of you need to understand that Jesus fulfilled everything in the Old Testament. He is the Messiah that was prophesied and that he is the fullness of God, it says in chapter 2. And then he goes on to say that Jesus is the head over every power and every authority. So all of that, all of those Greek God things, Zeus and all that, no, 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 they're not even real. But even if they were, Jesus is the one true God and he's the head over every power and authority. So he begins to literally lay that foundation very clearly for them in the first couple chapters. And then when we get into chapter three, where we kind of landed here today and where we're going to kind of camp out a little bit, as he begins to say, now listen, you got to understand, you've got to take off your old self 
and put on your new self. And so dropping down to, if you will, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5. As you get, your, get, get there, I want you to understand that when you and I drop down from our, excuse me, we're supposed to transition from our old self to our new self, he literally begins to use like clothing concept. He's talking about literally like our spiritual war, uh, wardrobe. See, what you wear is indicative of who you are, or at least who you're trying to portray to be. Let, let me give you an example of this. Let me show you a couple thoughts. Look on the screens here with me. What, what is this first, first person right here? What is that person? It's a doctor. How do you know that? Because, what, yeah, in the row, that's right, in the, in the gown. So that imagery in your mind says that person is a doctor. That person is wearing that because they want you to know that they are a doctor. What you wear what you, is what you're portraying that you are. How about this next one? Who is this right here? What, what is this person right here? All right, you call them a fireman. Why? Because of what they're wearing. What they're wearing. If you're sitting next to them in church, you don't necessarily know they're a fireman because they're not wearing the fireman gear, if you will. But when they're wearing the fireman gear, you're very clear that that's a fireman or a firewoman, if you will. All right, how about this next one? How about, what, what are these guys? That's right, they're police officers. Why? They've got, the, they've got the badge. They've got the uniform. They're portraying that they are police officers. Okay, how about this next one? How about this one right here? All right, what is that? It's military. That's right. But, and you know that. Why? Because of what they are wearing. Are you still tracking with me? Say yes. All right. How about this next one right here? Who is this right here? All right. Construction workers, right? So they're building. you got plans in front of them. You see the hard hats. There you go. They're, they're, they're being, you know, OSHA approved with their hard hats. Good job. Got their little jacket, their little vest on so you know not to hit them with a crane. All right. There we go. How about this next one? All right. Who is that? No, that's my wife's boyfriend. He brings presents every day to my house. I don't like this guy at all. No, <laughs> that's right. He's an Amazon driver. That guy shows up in my house every day, multiple times a day. That guy, and that, that literally looks like my Amazon guy. Like he and I have become friends. I prayed for him the other day. I mean, literally, you know him as an Amazon driver. Why? Because he wears the Amazon uniform. Are you tracking? Say yes. And so the Apostle Paul is trying to teach us that what you are, you will portray. What you're wearing, on the outside should be indicative of who you are on the inside. Are you with me? Say yes. And so dropping down now to verse 5 of Colossians 3. Can I read a little bit to you? Would that be okay? We'll get a couple of verses in here. He says, now put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Verse 7, you used to walk in these ways. Everybody say used to. Say it again. Say used to. Now, why has he got to tell them that they used to? He's doing it by faith. <laughs> he's like, listen, you used to be like this, right? Right? That's what he's doing. He's saying, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. And he starts listening out some more. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Verse 9, do not lie to each other since you have taken off, back to our key verse, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So your old self doesn't look like Jesus. Your new self does. So he's saying, keep putting on your new self. I know you have tendencies towards this. I know this is how you've always dressed. This is how you've always acted. This is who you've always been. This is what you've always portrayed as. This has been your go-to way of living. You've always thrown a fit. When you didn't get your way, you've always, when you didn't have a good week, you go look at the porn or you start cutting yourself or whatever you would do. He says, but that's your old self.
yourself. Don't go back to that. Put on your new self, which looks like Jesus, which acts like Jesus, because that's who you are. He's not telling you to do so much as he's telling you to be. You don't have to go do another religious duty and he's giving you a list of religious duties. He's teaching you to be who you say you are. If you're ever around a true fireman or firewoman, they just, they just can't help it. They just can't help it. I, I, I know we had a number of police officers in our church over the years, and I'll never forget, just we had a lady who literally, one time she began to manifest demons. And our police, our police personnel began to go over there and try to give her seizure medicine or try to get her, come, get her out of coming out of a seizure. And I had to tell her, she's not having a seizure. She's actually getting delivered. God's doing something. They were like, oh. Okay, so I've already called 911. I was like, well, call them back. Tell them don't show up. And sure enough, it was too late. They came and they're like, where's the problem? And we're like, well, we got her. She's free. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, so, but they, you, they can't just turn off what they are. Are you with me? Say yes. You can't just turn off the fact that you are a believer in Jesus Christ and that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in you. So the apostle Paul is warning us, don't go back to putting on your old ways. Put on your new self. Put on, your, put on those new shoes that you got. And they may not feel good or be that comfortable to you. And then he keeps on in verse 11. I love this. Here, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is in all and, uh, Christ is all and is in all. So I love what he's telling us to do. He's saying, listen, as you come into Christ and you put on Christ, over as you clothe yourself with the attributes of Christ. He says, I need you guys to understand something. You've got to stop seeing yourself as Jews and Greeks. You've got to stop seeing yourself as barbarians or Scythians or slave or free. We are all in Christ. You're not. I, I appreciate that was your culture. I appreciate that's what you came from. But the Apostle Paul is teaching us, but now we are in Christ. Are you with me? Say yes. So I, I, I may be from Cajun background, but I'm not a Cajun. I'm a Christian. I, I may be, you may be from, you know, from some other background, and that may be the way you were raised and the culture by which. And he's not telling you that you can't have some of that culture. To, he's just saying that's not your identity anymore. You are Identified in Christ. Are you tracking? Say yes. And he continues on to say, now listen, listen, put on Christ. Now I understand. It's beautiful to watch some of you ladies when you go from that new style, that old style to the new style. It's been fun to watch some of you guys, you know, as you kept that 80s haircut for so long and finally last year decided, all right, I'm gonna get a new hairdo. And it was fun to watch the awkwardness of the new do for you. And, uh, you know, are you chopped off? Come on, how, how many ladies, have, husbands have, have wives that decided one day they're just going to cut it all off and they showed up at the house and you didn't know what to say to them? And they didn't know what to say because the awkwardness of, is it, is it nice? Do you like it? And you're like, oh, baby, that's really nice. You could have cut a foot off, okay? Um, so it's beautiful. It's wonderful. And now you got to buy another wardrobe to match the new haircut. Are you tracking with me? Come on, ladies. I know how you work. And I have this in my house. And so, but there's this awkwardness for a season when you've made a change. It's not comfortable necessarily. I know when all the young guys were going and wearing skinny jeans, I was like, no. No. I'll wear them a little more fitted, but no. Because you know what? Those are supposed to be for women, not for dudes. Come on now, bro. That's messed up. You got to stop all that. But, but then I finally gave in and got me a little skinny pair. So I'm walking around with my little skinny jeans, you know, and trying to. And I was like, man, 
And, and it just took me a while to embrace it. Or when the shoe styles change or when styles change. And it's just not cool for a white dude. A white dude don't do style change. Black dudes, on the other hand, y'all make anything look smooth. It's unbelievable. It's just not even fair. I tell all, 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 the, all the black brothers at the church, stop outdressing the pastor. It ain't right. So I just gave up. I just gave up on trying to be fashionable because I'll never be as nice looking as all our black brothers in the house. I'm just telling you, they're always so smooth and so good looking. But there's this comfortableness when you make a major change or this discomfort and that's what's happened for many of us we love Jesus we want to serve God and we are serving and we are renewed in God and we're being transformed but some of his nature some of his characteristics are awkward for us they're awkward they just don't like they don't fit necessarily and if you're not comfortable being uncomfortable then you'll actually throw off the new nature and go back to the old nature throughout the day. Are you tracking with me? So then he gives us a list, and I love what he does here in verse 12. Look with me in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people. Are you God's chosen people? Say yes. So he qualifies. You've been chosen. God loves you. He picked you, and you said yes. Therefore, as God's chosen people, then he calls us what? Holy and dearly loved. Are you holy and dearly loved? Say yes. You may not be perfect, but you're holy because he's holy. And he takes his holiness and he puts it over you. And so when God sees you, God doesn't see your sinfulness. He sees, your, he sees God's holiness. He sees Christ's holiness on you. Are you tracking with me? So he says, he says, as God's called, holy, righteous people, and dearly loved, then he gives us a task. He gives us an understanding. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have had against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. He says, listen, you're loved. You are forgiven. You are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Now, come on now. Clothe yourselves with Jesus' way. Put, put the Jesus clothes on so that when people get around you, they walk past you. They automatically know who you are. That's a fireman right there. That right there is the Amazon guy. Why? Because what they're wearing, what they're wearing is portraying who they are. What they're, what they're wearing is portraying who they want you to see. Yeah, I may be wearing something. I'm not quite there yet, but I, by faith, I'm wearing it sometimes. Are you tracking with me? I, I'm, I, by faith, sometimes I'm being compassionate. It's not necessarily coming from a good place, but I'm putting that on. And I want you to picture every morning from here on out, when you wake up, that you open up your spiritual closet and you begin to put on these attributes of Christ, that you begin to put them on. You begin to put these on so that when people get around you, they go, you must be a Christian. Because there's no other way you would be acting this way or doing this right now unless you were. I always, I love to see the changes when men and women kind of make it big. You know, you got the, the guys who maybe play sports and, and they've never had a whole lot. And then when they get that first contract, and it's amazing, what's the first thing they go get? A brand new wardrobe and a car. But anyway, we're like simultaneously. But they don't go buy the car until they get the new wardrobe so they can walk in there looking like they're rich to buy that car outright. And the first thing, they'll get that big old watch. You always see them, you know, in the interviews. You know, they get that, they get that nice set of shoes. And boy, they got a nice set of clothes. Or if they hit the lottery, the first thing they go do is they, change, they throw out all their old clothes and they get a new look. Why? Because they now want to portray that I'm no longer poor. I'm no longer have nots. I now got something. 
And that's what you need to understand. You have Jesus Christ. You have his Holy Spirit living and abiding in you. You may not be perfect, but let me tell you, baby girl, you are not what you used to be. Thank you, Jesus. He is flowing in us and working in us. And so we can put on the clothes of heaven. And you say, man, it don't always feel good. I don't always know how to, I don't always act this way. But that's okay. Because you know what? You have experienced the righteousness of God. You have become rich and wealthy in God. And all the other things that don't matter, they can just fall aside. And you and I can walk in the way wealth of Jesus Christ. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. So let's go through these, basically six, and I'm calling these the believer's wardrobe. The believer's wardrobe. We'll write these down, and I want you to wake up every morning and say, Lord, help me put these on. I want to be sure that I put myself in this wardrobe of Christ. And the first one he lists out is compassion. Everybody say compassion. Do you know that every time Jesus did something supernatural in, in, in the Gospels, it says, and he had compassion on them? Do you know that really the place of supernatural, I, I always, you know, as a person who believes in miracles and, ha and experiences miracles on a daily basis and live with the God of miracles, and according to uh, Mark chapter 16, these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils, they'll heal the sick, they drink any poison. If COVID comes near them, it won't kill them, won't hurt them. That's, that's what the Bible says. And so as a man of God who reads through the scriptures and wants to be what Jesus was, as he told me I could be, then I live for, this, for the supernatural in people's lives, to see blind eyes open, to see marriages put back together. It's the reason I said yes to being a pastor instead of being a, a businessman. I, I wanted to see the supernatural works of God in the earth. And Jesus, the Bible says, came to destroy the works of the enemy, the evil one. Cancer is the work of an enemy, and it should be destroyed. And listen, we, we got more believers understanding the power that they possess. I'm always teaching you, move in miracles, believe for miracles. You can see it. God believes it for you. But the place that miracles come from is from compassion. It's from compassion. If you don't care a fly and flip about that person, there's no way you're going to believe with them to see a, a miracle in their life. It comes from a place of compassion. One of the things that 2020 really helped us point out is a lot of, a lot of us as the church had gotten selfish. We did not care about hurting people anymore. There are people that were disenfranchised. There are people that were misappropriated. There are folks, there were whole culture groups that were just, just not treated right. And we had just like, oh, well, I hope it works out for you. And that compassion had been lost. Are you tracking with me? And one of the things that I love that happened in 2020 is God literally began to check us. Will you have compassion on people that you don't look like or don't look like you or don't have what you have? Will you have compassion on them? Will you care? And I'll tell you right now, if us older guys won't, I promise you right now, God has put it in the DNA of Gen Z and millennials. He's put it in their DNA. They're going to do it whether we do it or not, the rest of us. And I'm telling you, I'm not going to get left behind. I want to put on compassion every day. You should get up every morning and put on compassion. I'm going to love the unlovable. I'm going to have grace and mercy for those who have no grace and mercy for me. He says, literally, put on compassion. Just walk in compassion like Jesus did. Here's the second clothing piece, if you will, or the wardrobe of the believer that Paul mentions, and that is kindness. Everybody say kindness. Say it again. Say kindness. See, here's the problem with kindness. Most of us think we're kind. Right? Because if you did what you were thinking you wanted to do, so you have no idea how kind I'm being right now. But that's, that's relative, right? So let me actually give you the, the definition out of Webster's for kindness. It is the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. It's the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. The problem with kindness, like I said, is that you and I think that from where I'm at, this is really being kind. But kindness is really measured as to whether or not the person on the other side of that 
your kindness is actually receiving generosity from you, if they're actually receiving friendliness from you, or if they actually feel considered by you. So it's not so much of what you would or wouldn't do as much as how can I help that other person feel as though I'm being considered of them, that I'm actually being generous to them. So it's really much more uh, less about you and much more about the other person. And so, so this is one of the layers of clothing or, if you will, an accessory that the believer should walk in, that we should be exuding because we should wrap ourselves in kindness. There is nothing worse than a mean Christian. Nothing worse than a person who's inconsiderate and then say, praise the Lord. Like, are you kidding me? Like, like you, you know how many people do not ever want to be Christians because a Christian was unkind to them. And so if that's what Christianity is, I don't want it. Well, it's not what Christianity is. It's not what Jesus was. Now, you and I, we get bad days. Thank you, Jesus. And I know some of you, you forgot last week, you forgot your kindness robe in the closet. And you went through the week without your kindness robe. And that's okay, because you know what? You can just tell everybody at work, say, you know what? Last week, my kindness robe was at the dry cleaners, and so this week I got it, okay? I'm going to wear it this week, because I want to stab all of you guys, and, uh, and you made it to where I should <laughs> get to stab you guys. But this week, I'm putting on my kindness robe. Here's the third one that the Apostle Paul tells us is literally a part of the attire or the wardrobe of the believer, and that is Humility. Humility. I'm so proud about how humble I am. Remember that old, remember that old adage somebody said one time? <clears throat> Can I ask you this question when it comes to humility? When's the last time you said you were sorry? Like verbalized it. Put it in an email. Do you know the power that humility has? Well, let me tell you the power that humility has. Satan thought that he could destroy Jesus and that if he killed the Messiah that he would kill God's kingdom on the earth because the king of God's kingdom on the earth would be dead and then therefore the kingdom would fall apart. He didn't understand that Jesus came in all humility with the whole intention of dying so that he could resurrect so that you and I could have newness of life. He became the sacrifice for our sins. If you don't understand that, see, every man has sinned. Every man and woman has sinned. And sin means to separate yourself from God. Sin means to disobey godly, God's expectation for our living and the way we're supposed to engage. So sin is set by his standard, not by our standards. So when we sin, and we all do it, and we all have done it, there now needs to be a penalty for our sin. We explain it in legal terms like this. If you commit a crime, then you got to pay the time. If, if, you, if you murdered someone... They have an entire group of family members that you have not just did you take that person's life, but you've affected all of these. And so as a result, our legal system and we as a people called Americans have agreed that there should be punishment for the crime. We see that misappropriated. We're believing God for uh, uh, you know, transformation in some of those systems. But at the end of the day, we all agree, if you do something horrifically wrong or if you do something against me or my family, you should have to pay for that. That's why, you know, that's why, you know, if you hit my car, you should pay for to, to have it fixed you did it not me and you see that actually comes from the holy scriptures that's actually a teaching from the old testament a, a philosophy that god put in place and so when you and i sin who's going to pay god back for what we've done wrong and so in the old testament god says i'll tell you what you're going to do you're going to take little lambs and you're going to take little animals and you're going to you're going to kill them as a sign of your sorrowfulness for what you've done against me just so you're aware 
Because have you ever had anybody sinning against you and it seems like they don't care? He says, so if you really do want to be in relationship with me and you recognize that you keep wounding me and coming against me and, and, and cheating on me and having adulterous affairs with other gods against me, then when you have those revelations, I want you to come and I want you to make sacrifice. And so then God looked up one day and he says, listen, enough of all that. Because his son stepped up and he said, Dad, I'll go, be their I'll go be the sacrifice for every sin they'll ever commit. I will lay down my life. When he does this in humility, he transforms the world. See, what you and I are taught is that we cannot humble ourselves or someone will step on us. But that's actually a lie. It's a reverse. When we're humble, God promotes us. Because he says, I resist the proud, but I give grace to the humble. I lift up those who humble themselves. So whatever your job does, whatever your coworkers do, your neighbors, your family line, if you will humble yourself in that process, God says, I will then take responsibility to elevate you. When you and I are fighting to elevate ourselves, the Bible literally says that pride, that arrogance, I have to resist you. All right, baby boy, let's see how, you, let's see how it works for you. But when you and I humble ourselves and we say, God, I, I, don't, I can't make this work. I can't fix this job thing. I can't fix this thing with my family. I need you. When we humble ourselves, he goes, watch this. Now I'm going to lift you up. This is his principle, and that's why it doesn't work in the world system because it's his system. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. So you and I should wake up every day and say, Lord, I'm going to put on humility. There's some people at work. There's a situation I'm dealing with with the family. And instead of being right, I'm just going to rather, I will rather just humble myself and say, whatever y'all need, guys. I'm just, just here to serve. I love you. I just want to, want to see the best of the outcome. This is, if you will, the wardrobe of the believer. Are you still there? Say yes. Here's the fourth wardrobe piece that the Apostle Paul lays out, and that's gentleness. Gentleness. Let me define gentleness as the Webster says it. It's mildness of manners or disposition. The Bible talks about gentleness. In fact, one of the best places it talks about gentleness, it says, for those of you who are going to restore someone who's fallen into sin, he said, you better do that with all gentleness and all kindness and all sweetness. As though you're holy and someone else has fallen, he says, because if you act with, like that, you'll fall into the same sin they've fallen into. So you should walk with all gentleness. And it's one of the things that the church doesn't do well. The moment someone struggles, the moment someone has an adulterous affair, the moment someone, you know, goes back into old drugs or alcohol, we just kind of throw them to the side and we just kind of brutally just treat them. The Bible literally tells us to treat each other with gentleness as we're going through things. I don't know about you, but I want a gentle hand cutting my liver out. I, if I'm going to have major surgery, I do not want a, a lumberjack. Uh, we got it. I do not want that guy. I want that. You know what I want? I want that little Asian lady who's got that little perfect little hand and just right, right in there. Like, yes, that's what I want. Someone who's gentle and takes their time. Are you with me? Say yes. And so some of you have just been brutes in reference to some of your relationships. You're just like, I'm gonna just, just going to plow through. And because you haven't put on gentleness, you have conflict that you don't necessarily need to have. This is the wardrobe of a believer. This is what Jesus, don't you picture Jesus as it's gentle? Aren't you glad that he's gracious and gentle with you in reference to your sin? Aren't you glad that he's, he's, he's gracious and gentle with you when it comes to dealing with you? Aren't you glad he didn't just beat you? See, dead religion says that he beats on us. That's dead. I don't want to be a part of that. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is like, come to me. Come to me. My yoke is, it, Jesus is gentle and in spirit and in nature. He's gracious and kind to us. And we should exhibit that to the lost and dying world around us because we are his and that is we are Christians we, we, we have a wardrobe not to fake 
that we're Christian. That's what we normally wear because it's who we are. Are you tracking? Say yes. All right, let's go to the next one. The fifth one that he gives us is patience. I bind that right now in Jesus' name. I just don't have enough. No, patience. And uh, aren't you glad that Jesus has been so patient with you? I tell you, patience is a hard thing for me. I, that, I leave that one in the closet a lot. Because I have a lot to accomplish, right? And so I'm just not, and it's my personality. See, that's my old self. It's my old self to drive, to push forward, to, to, to steamroll people who aren't making the cut, to cut people out who aren't rising to the occasion. It's my old nature. It's my old nature to be that. But after, you know, Jamie and I have been talking about that a lot this week, just some of the relationships, and to, to have that patience that comes from God, to clothe myself with patience and just say, Lord, you know what? I put this in your hand. I put them in your hand. And Lord God, I'm grateful you've been patient with me, so I'm going to be patient with them. Those of you with teenagers in your house, you need to put on a lot of patience. You might want to double clothe some patience. You might need to have your old patience robe, your new patience robe, and the, and the one you're going to buy next week. You need to have like four layers of patience. Because I'm going to tell you right now, they're going to be challenged. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. Those of you that work in volatile situations, you have a, you in a volatile work type force, you're going to need this patience. And you need to wake up every morning and say, Lord, I just clothe myself with patience. I'm just going to be patient, folks, because I want to be like you, Jesus, and you are patient. And then he gets into this whole discussion about forgiveness. He doesn't, I wouldn't really call that one of the attributes that he was mentioning here, but he, he leads into forgiveness so that you can actually do the sixth attribute well, and that is love. Love. And, and I think when the Bible says they'll know that we belong to him by the way we love one another, I think, I think more than ever the world is looking for, is there true love out there? And can I tell you, I think some of the sexually deviant behavior is that we're seeing just really propagate in the earth today, I think it's all just a desire to find real love. I, I, don't, I don't think it's, I, yes, there's perversion. In, what, what is perversion? Perversion is a manipulation of what's the true good thing. That's all perversion is. Drugs are not bad. They're just bad when you don't use them for medication purposes. You, you see what I'm saying? When you don't, when, when sex is not bad in the confines of where Jesus put it, in, in, in the marriage between two people who are committed to one another. You take it outside of that, and then you start mixing it around with all these other things, and then you get these, these horrible ramifications. And so, so, so more than ever, the, the church, we have to exude the love of God. That love that says, you know what, I don't believe the way you believe, and I don't like what you like, but I love you. I love you because you're God's creature. Because you're, you're made in the image of the living one. And, and you may not smell that way right now. And you may not act that way. And you may be totally opposed to the, the God that created you. And you may throw your middle finger up at him all the time. But I'm telling you, I love you. I put on love towards you. Friend, we can't even do that in the church. How are we going to do that with broken people? We've got to put this on a lot better. We've got that outer garment. More than anything else we're wearing, we have to exude this love. It's what you are. It's what you are. You, as a believer, with the spirit of the living God living and abiding in you, you should be able to love even those who are unlovable. You say, well, I, I can't, Pastor. And there's somebody that I just can't. Well, back up in that earlier verse. It says, so forgive. And he's giving you the, the, he's giving you the premise of forgive so that you can actually put on that great big robe of love every day. It's easier to love someone who you've forgiven. And so how do I do that? Well, I've got some great teaching on that over the years, but I tell you the starting point would just be to get on your face and say, Lord, help me forgive the person who did me dirty, who continues to do me dirty, who I don't understand why they act this way. 
I don't know why they're being this way, but I know that you forgave me of my sins, so I'll forgive those who sinned against me. These are the teachings we see all throughout the Holy Scriptures. God, the Bible says, is love. So here's a couple questions I have for you. What would it take this week to clothe yourself in patience? What would that look like for you? What would it take to just make a conscious decision? I am a believer. I love God with all of my heart. And I keep putting on my old clothes. And I need to set those aside for a little bit. And I need to start putting on my new clothes. They don't feel well. They're uncomfortable to me. I don't really, I'm not used to them. I, you know, I feel awkward when I walk in the room trying to be patient, you know, because I'm not the patient guy at work. I, it's a little awkward for me. But friend, can I tell you something? If you don't start putting it on, it will always be awkward. The awkwardness leaves after you put it on time and time again time and time again not so long ago I got a little new little haircut went to a new little barber that Josiah had told me about so I went to this guy and he said and I said hey can you make me look like this guy and he said uh, no not without a lot of facial reconstruction and some other things weight loss program I said oh, yeah, can you make my hair look a little bit like this he said I can he said but it's gonna be a change for the way you do your hair and the way you all this kind of stuff and so, so I was like okay well just, let's do it I want a new look I want to be cool and he's like okay and so he started putting this product in there and he started you know uh, you know working with it a certain way and man I came home and my hair was like it was cool I looked in the mirror I was like that's cool and the next morning I got up and tried to do that and it looked it just didn't look like that and and, 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 and I was super insecure about it and I mean the first Sunday I was like I stood up here in front of you guys. I was just waiting for somebody to say, hey, hey, what'd you, you know, you always got that one, right? <laughs> you all right there, buddy? Your hair dryer fried something, huh? <laughs> you know, and so you always got, the, the, you know who you are because we need to put a little bit more love on you. Anyway, you need to, but, 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 you know, you just, because you love me and you, and, and, and you, you know, you, get me a little bit and, and then and, and I was just so insecure about it and nobody really you know laughed at me too bad and, and I, I still haven't gotten it perfected the way the guy did it and it's hard every day when I go to do my hair to do it the way he did it because it's not how I've been doing it for you know 50 years but the more I'm waking up every morning and committed to the new look the easier it's getting I know you don't look like this I don't I don't even look like this and, 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 and thank God Jesus looked like this. But you and I can wake up every day and start putting on gentleness. Yeah. 